Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, Rebels, how are you? Can you believe it's June and we're already halfway through 2022? I was hanging out with my family this weekend over Memorial Day. And of course, we were barbecuing. And of course, I also served up my famous mac and cheese. And we were all talking about how fast time flies and why it's so important to capture every moment and take advantage of the time that we have. And that's exactly how I feel about negotiating, particularly salary negotiations, which is what I want to talk to you about today. As women, we must learn how to capture every moment and take advantage of every opportunity we have to get the best offer and the best pay that we can. After years of negotiating employment contracts, settlements for discrimination suits, and multi-million dollar labor bargaining agreements, I've learned firsthand the power of negotiating. It's why I always have negotiated my salaries and every contract I receive for services. I think, honestly, at this point, it's just a habit that I just really negotiate pretty much everything. (laughs) The truth is women who regularly do negotiate are likely to get higher salary offers and more raises. Now, it's not a guarantee, but in my experience, when I or my clients have negotiated a job offer, it usually resulted in a salary increase, sometimes five up to $20,000 more. And I've been actually able to negotiate a salary bump of $50,000 with one employer in particular. Honestly, you never know how much flexibility an employer has until you ask. As the adage goes, the answer is always no if you don't ask. Also, if you have young children or elderly parents or family members struggling with a severe illness, being able to have a flexible schedule and time off are valuable things to be able to negotiate. Negotiating for telecommuting, additional leave, medical leave, and alternative schedules can make all the difference in the world between a job you love and a job you hate. And I've even had clients refuse to leave a job that provided an amazingly flexible schedule until they found an employer willing to match it or beat it. Negotiating also allows you to shape your job to suit your interests and talents, ensuring that you're always working in your zone of genius, which is so important, leading you to greater job satisfaction in what you're doing. And when you're confident about what you have to offer and bring to the table, you're also more confident asking for what you want and ultimately getting it. When you feel you have the tools to really advance your career, you're less likely to stay stuck in a job that you don't like, that doesn't pay you enough, or that's not really well suited for you. And knowing you can handle a difficult workplace negotiation, which is not easy, it'll make you feel more powerful and in control of your career. You'll be confident that you can handle whatever life throws at you. Trust me, you you will know whatever situation you're in, you'll know how to deal with it. 
Now, it's no secret that women of color in the U.S. experience the gender wage gap most severely. It's the intangible or actually tangible consequences of sexism and racism in the U.S. and how our country has systemically devalued women of color and their contributions. That's why negotiation is so important and why you should always do it. Over time, the pay gap has added up, resulting in a loss of wages a loss of wages. That means women have less money to support themselves and their families for generations. For example, according to the Pew Research, Latinas are typically paid 49 cents for every dollar paid to a white non-Hispanic man, resulting in a difference of about $28,000 a year. Native American women are typically paid just 50 cents on every dollar compared to white non-Hispanic men, resulting in about a difference of $25,000 a year. Black women are typically paid just 58 cents on every dollar, which results in a difference of about $23,000 a year. And white women are paid 73 cents on every dollar, resulting in a difference from white non-Hispanic men of about $15,000 a year. And Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander women are typically paid 75 cents for every dollar paid to a white non-Hispanic male, resulting in about $12,600 a year. I mean, what could you do with another twenty-eight dollars to $12,000 a year in your pocket that you're not getting because maybe you're not negotiating or don't understand what the salary game is out there? Now, overall, this has a huge impact on your household and on your generations. For example, the overall wage gap based on these differences of twelve dollars to $28,000 a year, if, if women were paid equally, they would have more than 22 months worth of food, more than 17 months of childcare paid for. They'd be able to buy nearly three semesters of tuition and fees for a four-year public university or the full cost of tuition and fees for a two-year college. They'd be able to have more than 12 months of rent paid and covered, and they can have nearly nine additional months of premiums of employer-based health insurance. So negotiating may seem like, eh, you know, what if I negotiate? It's only a couple of thousand. It works out tremendously over the years. In fact, one study says that over the lifespan of a woman's career, because of not not negotiating her salary, that she is losing out on about a million dollars over the lifespan. And this is not only in dollars, but it's also in flexibility, in food, childcare, tuition, employer health and premiums, right? Everything that we talked about here. So negotiating is so powerful and important for women to be able to do it. And it should become a habit, which is why I negotiate everything. It is just a habit for me to always, when somebody gives me an offer, for me to come back with a counter. Now, I don't share these numbers to provoke despair or to make you feel bad, but rather to provide you a broader economic and societal context of why negotiating for our salaries and pay are important. And if ignored, can result in long-term financial hardship. Now, even though we know we should negotiate our salaries, women often believe that if they ask for more, that the employer maybe rescind the offer. Or worse, they believe they should wait until they're actually on the job and maybe after working hard and proving their worth for several months or a year that they can then get in and negotiate. The problem is neither of these scenarios are true. Actually, you will never have more leverage to negotiate than when an offer of employment is presented to you. 
But once you get inside, there are no guarantees and your leverage drops significantly. The ultimate goal of a salary negotiation is to deploy the maximum amount of leverage to get the highest level of salary or compensation from your prospective employer while, and herein lies a challenge, while making them like it or at least not resent it, right? So there's a way to do it that feels very authentic, feels very natural, and goes with the whole flow of it. And there are ways that you don't want to do it that could really cause problems and ruin the results that you're looking for. So how do you do that? Well, I want to share some key things that I want you to know about successful negotiating your salary so that you can get the highest level of compensation. First, this is the key. Do not talk money during the interview process. You only want to talk money when you get to the actual offer. Now, I often hear women say, well, I know I'm not supposed to answer that question about salary or your salary history or what are you currently making during the interview process. But when someone asks a point blank question, well, what am I supposed to do? And that is a legitimate complaint because employers really shouldn't be asking you that question, but they do because they want to know. They want to get the leverage back. They want a number that they can start with that may be lower than what even they're thinking. So that's why they ask you that number. And like I said, it's a legitimate complaint. But there are ways around answering that question to refocus the interviewer on providing you with the key information that you need to determine whether or not the position is the right fit for you at all. And that's really what's most important during the interview process. In fact, you can let an employer know, listen, it's too early in the process to talk money because I'm still trying to get a feel and understanding of your organizational needs and of the compatibility that I have with the organization. You can also let them know that your salary is confidential information that you don't like to give out and it's not available. That is an absolutely acceptable response. Now, the way you say it matters, but it's an acceptable response. Also, most states have enacted salary bans that prohibit employers from even asking about your salary on the application or in the interview process. So you want to know that information so that you can feel confident saying it's a confidential number. And I'm not really ready to talk about that right now. Right now, we're just in the process of figuring out, is this going to be the maximum position that works? There's actually a three-step process I walk my clients through to know exactly how to handle these situations, regardless of maybe how many times the employer tries to come at you with trying to figure out your salary. Also, when you talk money too early in the process, like I said, you can create what's called an anchor bias that can trap both you and the employer into a dollar range that's actually not on par with what you bring to the table or what the position should pay you. And unless you have excellent intelligence on the precise salary range for the job in the company you're interviewing for, or you're really skilled at creating a counter anchor, it's best to just avoid the conversation up front. Now, the second thing you have to do is to learn how to manage your mind. And if you're a regular follower of mine on the podcast, you know I was going to talk about managing your mind. (laughs) So the entire interview process is a very stressful time. And when it comes to salary negotiations, studies show that most women would prefer to quit their job and find another one than negotiate their salary. I mean, that's how stressful it is, particularly for women. 
And when the emotional part of your brain is activated, it instinctively goes into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And the rush of cortisol, the stress hormone, rushes to your brain and it clouds the evolved logical thinking part of your brain, causing you to potentially react in harmful or less productive ways. Your instinctive reaction to survive or get out of or away from whatever is causing you that stress is a response to all the hormones rushing through your body and your brain's inability to distinguish if you're in a life-threatening situation or just in a stressful job interview. So before the alarm gets triggered, you have to have a plan for managing your brain so you can think logically and make the best possible decisions for yourself and your family. And when you manage your thoughts, you can manage your emotions. So it's critical that you manage your thinking through the process so that you can manage the emotions that will come up during the negotiations. In an emotionally activated state, you'll end up defaulting to old habits and patterns that won't ultimately save you in negotiations. You may decide not to ask or to acquiesce for whatever they're saying or to just settle or to not take the job at all because you don't wanna engage in the process, missing out on a great opportunity that could actually turn out to something great later on. Now, the third thing is that information is key. So do your research. The more information you can get on the salary range for the position you're going after, the better. In fact, it's the holy grail of leverage. The best way to get that information is through networking, research, and listening carefully during the interview process. For the employer, the best leverage they can have over you is knowing your current salary, which is why you don't want to release that information during negotiations, but we've already talked about that. Most people don't talk about what they make, but for women, it's almost unheard of to ask another woman, hey, how much do you make? But while it may be awkward to talk numbers with your besties, I have to say it's time that we start doing it. It can prove to be extremely beneficial if we start cluing each other in on what we're making out there. Knowledge is power. And the most powerful, successful women among us are already talking about their money with their friends. And while we won't hesitate to tell our friends about a great deal, a sale, or a great place to eat, we need to be just as open about helping a sister out getting the best deal she can on her salary too. Now, in addition to your bestie, you can find out salary info through informational interviews and general networking. Now I'll do an episode later on the power of networking because it is amazing and how you can use networking to bypass really a lot of this. In fact, 80% of jobs are acquired through networking. So it's an important skill to be able to have and a practice you should be engaged in. And we'll talk about that in another episode. But in terms of gathering, gathering salary intel, reach out to people and ask them their thoughts and knowledge about salary ranges for positions you're interested in so you can gain a better understanding of what people pay across companies and industries. Then make sure you're doing your own research. Now, while Glassdoor, Salary.com, Indeed, and LinkedIn can provide you with some good salary information, they're, they're not all alike. And actually, if you use them, you'll get probably different salary information across the board. So you want to dig in deeper so that you can get closer to what's real and what makes sense. You want to think about cost of living. You want to think about the environment. You want to think about industry. All that matters. So you also want to be checking out salary sources for, say, government, nonprofit, and academic institutions so you can really do an apple-to-apple comparison. So different sources release different type of information. 
Finally, it's important to know what the employer is thinking during this process. This actually may help you calm yourself down (laughs) when you know the employer is probably just as nervous as you are in the process. We're so consumed with what's going on with us that we forget that this is a two-way situation. It's not just about you, it's also about the employer. So first of all, you need to know that 84% of employers are expecting you to negotiate. 84%. So in anticipation of that, they actually may be holding back, I don't know, about 10 to 30% in order for them to have a little wiggle room in the offer, knowing that you're going to negotiate. So they may be coming in on the low end of the spectrum, most likely, knowing that they need wiggle room to take up because they're expecting you to negotiate. Think about how happy they are when they don't have to do that and how upset you are when you land in a position and you do have a conversation with someone and you inadvertently find out that they're making five or $10,000 more than you a year. Not just because maybe they're a man, but because maybe it's another woman there who actually negotiated. So they're waiting for you to negotiate. So you want to come in knowing that to begin with. So you don't have to worry about them rescinding an offer because you're doing that. Now, there is implicit bias related to women negotiating. So there is an assumption or a belief that if women are too aggressive in the process, that that may turn people off. But I believe that's a myth because women aren't coming in there yelling and demanding, and that's not what we're doing. But there is a bias in some men around it and some women around negotiating. But understand that most employers are expecting it. So just go in armed and ready. Also, the hiring manager has been reading through hundreds of applications. They've been interviewing their top, I don't know, five or 10 people on top of doing their own day-to-day workload and going to meetings and the like. They're having their team pick up all the extra work to cover for the position that they're trying to fill and have most likely some type of urgency around getting someone on board sooner than later. So let me tell you, the last thing that they want to hear is for you to say, I think I'll pass because that means they're gonna have to start that long, arduous process all over again. And that does nothing but waste time, money, and resources. So believe me, the employer is just as worried about you saying no as you are of them rescinding the offer if you say you wanna negotiate. In fact, if you're the candidate of choice, the one they're making an offer to, they want to do whatever they can to get you to yes which equals leverage. Rarely are the top two candidates equally ideal. I mean, that is a unicorn situation where they're landing on their final two or three and all of them across the board are absolutely on par. They'd be happy with any one of them, right? So there's a reason they offered you the job. And that's why at this time in the process, you'll never have as much leverage to get what you want because they want you. And so when you know that, then it gives you an opportunity to calm down, to know they're just as nervous in the process as you, sometimes more so because of the amount of resources and time and money that it's costing them to bring someone on board. So knowing that, don't go in there thinking that you have to always acquiesce and comply, but know you're two people bargaining for something that's going to be the best outcome for both. But you got to have at a cellular level, a cellular cellular level of confidence in what you bring to the table, your talents, gifts, skills, and abilities, and the ROI you can bring to the employer. 
Now, I talked about this in my last episode of the podcast. If you don't see how you're unique in the market and that people don't have what you have to offer, your employer may not see the value you can bring to them either. So keep in mind that employers will sometimes select a candidate who is slightly less qualified on paper, but clearly superior in terms of confidence and their emotional intelligence. Now, after all of that, if a company can't move on dollars, you can always look at the other aspects of the compensation package and negotiate the things that matter to you. But you got to first know what those things are. Make a list and prioritize what matters to you so you can ensure that you're going to get everything that's necessary and that you want. I also wrote an article about salary negotiations for women for Forbes, and I'll make sure I share a link with you in the show notes. So there you have it. Let's recap. One, don't share your numbers, <laughs> not at least until you're in the offer stage. And even then there's a way to do it and, and how to figure out what numbers you want to share. Second, manage your mind. When you manage your mind, you manage your emotions. So when you're emotionally activated, it doesn't take you out of the game. Three, research and get as much data as you can. First and foremost, I think as women, we need to start talking numbers. We need to start talking dollars so that we can know what's going on. Fourth, know that the employer is often as nervous as you. They put a lot of energy into trying to get someone on board. And if they've offered you the position, they are hoping you say yes. So it's a great opportunity for you to leverage that to your advantage. Now, if you can master these things during the interview process, you'll have the leverage you need to negotiate your salary and get the compensation package you want. So negotiate, negotiate always. The more that women negotiate their salaries, the more will diminish the implicit bias and the inequitable wage gap that negatively impacts women generation after generation. Get support if you need it. I know this is not an easy process, I love coaching my clients on salary negotiations and going after a raise or promotion. And it takes some work on your part. It is, it is a skill set. It's something that way back in the 90s, I was trained as a lawyer. And it's something I've continually done for the last 20 to 30 years. Preparation and practice are key. But if you're willing to put in the time and the work, it will pay off for you again and again for the future and for your future generations. Well, that's it for today, Rebels. I want to remind you about our monthly roundtable called The Boardroom. We'll have a facilitated discussion on issues just like this and other key matters facing midlife career professional women. Join us the last Friday of the month at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And our next boardroom meets on Friday, June 24th at 10 Pacific time. If you can make it, great. If you can't, you'll definitely be able to get the recording if you register. And you can do that at www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash boardroom. And I'll also add that link to the show notes for your convenience. Also, leave a comment and review for the podcast uh, on your favorite place on Apple or Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. I love that you're here with me and I would love for you to share your thoughts and comments and also to share it with a friend so they can clue in and get all this great information that you're listening to as well. Until next time, my friends, have an amazingly rebellious week. 
Hey, if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, then you've got to come check out the Career Rubble Academy. It's where you'll get the individual help and support you need applying the concepts and strategies you're learning here and so much more. You'll be joined by a community of other rebels just like you, and I'll be there as your guide every step of the way. If you're genuinely looking to change the course of your life and career, I promise you, this is the place you'll want to be. Just go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash career dash rebel dash academy. I can't wait to see you there.